Would you turn with me to a couple of places? First of all, Proverbs chapter 10, and then Genesis, the book of Genesis, will begin in chapter number 25. In Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 22, the Bible says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Amen. There are different ways to obtain good things in life. And the way that you get it has everything to do with whether or not there's sorrow added to it or not. And when God blesses you, there is no sorrow. Amen. Genesis chapter 25, beginning in verse number 39, the story of Jacob and Esau. And Jacob cooked a stew. And Esau came in from the field, and he was weary. And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with the same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. And Esau said, look, I'm about to die. So what is this birthright to me? Then Jacob said, swear to me as as of this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils. And he ate and drank and he arose and he went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now jumping to Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse 24, it says, Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. And then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. And just as he crossed Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Today in our series, The Blessing of the Lord, I want to talk to you from the subject, what would you do for a Klondike bar? (laughs) Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you minister by your grace and by your power to every single heart today like only you can in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. For that chocolate-coated ice cream loaded big and thick, no room for a stick. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Would you cluck like a chicken? Would you leap like a frog? Would you shave your eyebrows? When that jingle first came out, it became the number one best-selling ice cream treat in the United States. Sales soared from 800,000 all the way up to 60 million a year, and the company could not keep up with demand. Eventually turned into a Twitter challenge, and retail sales in the U.S. went from $309.9 million to $406 billion. And by the way, nobody won the Powerball this time around. So now it's up to $1.9 billion. And I said to my wife, I said, that's because God wanted me to win more. <laughs> but notice this, this, this ice cream bar, when this jingle came out, I mean, it went crazy. What would you do for a Klondike bar? And so is the story of Esau and Jacob. One valued the blessing of the Lord and one was willing to sell it for a bowl of stew. The question is, what about you? What would you give 
for the blessing of the Lord. What kind of value do you place on the blessing of the Lord? Last week, we began this new series called The Blessing of the Lord, where we looked at what the blessing of the Lord is and how it is a game changer in our life. And in short, we said the blessing of the Lord is his divine empowerment on our life to prosper in every area of our life, relationally, occupationally, financially, emotionally, generationally, spiritually. And we saw the game-changing effect that this blessing had on Jacob's life, who spent, you might remember, his whole life prior to the blessing of the Lord, struggling and supplanting. His name, Jacob, literally meant supplanter or struggler. And his whole life was about that he struggled for his father's affection. He struggled with his brother Esau when he stole his birthright. He struggled with his father Laban. He struggled with his two sister wives, Leah and Rachel, struggled with his brother-in-laws, ultimately struggled with God. He spent his whole life seeking blessings his way, and it produced conflict, heartache, family drama, marriage upheaval, loneliness, all the other aches and pains and bumps and bruises that seeking blessing without seeking the blessor yields in our lives. But there came a day when Jacob got tired of chasing the blessings. He was stuck between a rock and a hard spot. You remember that. He couldn't stay in the city where he was because his brother-in-laws wanted to kill him. He couldn't go back home because his brother Esau wanted to kill him. He had nowhere to go. He was caught between this rock and this hard place. And he decides it's better to go back and face my brother who has an old wound than my brother-in-laws who have a new wound. And you know the story. So he said, sends his servants ahead with all of these gifts to kind of entreat Esau's forgiveness. And the servants come back and they say, here comes Esau. He's got 400 armed men with you. And so Jacob sends half of his family this way, half of his family that way, thinking if Esau attacks, only half of my family will die. And he spends the night all alone by himself. And he's come to the end of his rope. He's kind of tired of where life has brought him like some of us can get to. And he's all by himself. And remember last week we said, that's where God entered the conflict. And God comes into a situation and he begins to wrestle with God. And you remember the famous line from the story, Jacob finally says to God, I will not let you go until you bless me. And this wasn't him continuing to fight God, but it was him resigning from pursuing things his own way. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. God, I have tried my entire life to get blessed my way. And it's brought me heartache. It's brought me pain. It's brought me family upheaval. It's led to me being all by myself. But now I want blessing your way. God, nothing is more important than you blessing me at this moment in my life. I finally come to the place where I realize nothing's more important than you. And there's no price that I would pay to give up this blessing that you can put on my life. What would you give for a Klondike bar? And you remember the game-changing effect it had on his life. He goes from being Jacob, and God changes his name. He now calls him Israel, going from a supplanter and a struggler to somebody who has a prince with God, somebody who has prevailed in understanding what is right in the eyes of God. It is a game changer, and it changes the whole trajectory of his life. And the point that we looked at last week is we need the blessing of God on our life. You need it. I need it. We all need it. It is a game changer. It takes us from struggling through life 
to supernaturally walking through life. When God puts his blessing on us, he adds his, as they say, super to our natural, and it becomes a game changer. And so here's the question. How do we walk in the blessing of God? And the first thing that we have to do is we have to believe it. One of the inferences in the text is that Jacob knew that God wanted to bless him. Matter of fact, Hebrew culture was such that they understood God's desire to bless them and they sought that desire so earnestly because they also understood it was a game changer. And I don't believe it was any different in Jacob's mind. I believe he understood that God wanted to put his blessing on his life. He was, as you might know, the grandson of Abraham. And you remember what God said to Abraham in Genesis 12? He says, I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And then you all, the families of the earth, shall be blessed. So I don't believe Jacob would have asked God to bless him had he not known God wanted to bless him. The simple truth to walking in God's blessing is believing that God wants to bless you. If you don't believe he wants to, then you'll never seek it. You'll never ask for it. You'll never desire it. A.W. Tozer famous uh, theologian and, and, and great man of God said this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when you think about God? Do you see God with an angry face emoji wanting to punish you? Um, uh, or do you see God depicted as he is in the ironic blessing that God himself instructed, by the way, Aaron to pronounce, Aaron was the high priest, over the children of Israel while they were wandering in the wilderness and God had every right to be angry with them. But look at, look at what he says and imagine God's face. He says, the Lord bless you and keep you. Do you see God with a scowl as he says that? The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Do you see God with an angry face as he says that? And be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance toward you and give you peace. So shall they put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. One modern author wrote this about the ironic blessing. The Lord bless you is a smiley face emoji with smiling eyes. The Lord keep you is a hugging face with a flexed bicep. The Lord make his face shine on you is a sun with a face and a face throwing a kiss. Be gracious to you is a winking face and a thumbs up. The Lord turn his face towards you is a smiling face with heart-shaped eyes. The Lord give you peace is a party popper, a hand, hand clap, confetti, and a cupcake. And I'm adding, when you, when you read, so shall they put my name on the children of Israel and I'll bless them. It's praise hands with a fist pump. How do you see God? How you see God determines whether or not you believe that God wants to bless your life. Interestingly enough, think back to the Garden of Eden, perhaps the first memory that you would think Adam would have had. What was the first memory that Adam had? To the religious mind, maybe it was rib surgery. Maybe he, he remembered that. Perhaps it was him roaming the garden. Maybe it was him naming all the animals. Maybe it was the awkward realization that, that he was naked after giving in to temptation. But how about this for Adam's first memory? Genesis 1.28. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Before there was original sin, you know what there was? Original blessing. 
In other words, God's default setting from way back in the beginning is blessing. If you don't believe that, you'll doubt the goodness of God. And if you second guess the goodness of God, you will forfeit the blessing of God. When we come to the book of Hebrews and all throughout the Bible, we are reminded that God wants to bless his kids. Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? A rewarder of the those that diligently seek him. God is a blesser. He is a rewarder. Over and over again, we are told in the Bible that God wants to bless his kids. The word blessing in the Old Testament alone is used 330 times. Perhaps the most condensed use of the word blessing is in the Mount Gerasim blessing, where Moses pronounces blessing over the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 28. Listen to it. It shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord will set you on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before these seven ways. The Lord will command blessing on your storehouses and in all that you set your hand to do, he will bless you in the land which he has given you. When I read that, I think God wants to not just bless us, but beyond our wildest imagination that he is in the blessing business and and his children, to his children, blessing is our birthright. Moreover, all of the blessings that God gave to Abraham, that the priest Aaron pronounced over the children of Israel while they were wandering, that Moses pronounced over them, all of those blessings have been updated and upgraded in Christ Jesus for us. Listen to what the scripture says. Ephesians 1.3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It is God's heart. It is his default setting. It is our birthright to walk with the blessing of God on our lives. Divine empowerment to prosper not just in some areas in our, of our life, but in every area of our life, physically, spiritually, mentally, financially, relationally, economically, however you operate in this world. God wants to put his blessing on you. And if you still won't believe that, the greatest high priest of all, Jesus Christ, do you know what his last act before the ascension was? You probably don't, but watch, I'm going to read it for you. Luke 24, verse 50. He's leaving his disciples, and by the way, this is not just for them because we're disciples. And here's what it says. Jesus led his disciples out to Bethany. He lifted up his hands over them. And he blessed them in his love. 
while he was still speaking words of love and blessing. He floated off the ground into the sky, ascending into heaven before their very eyes. They could, all they could do was to worship him, overwhelmed and ecstatic with joy. They made their way back to Jerusalem. Why were those so, they so happy? Because when Jesus left them, he put his blessing on them. And here's what they knew. They knew that since the blessing of God was now going to be upon their life, they had the divine empowerment to prosper in every area of their life. They were like, we are not going into this world to fight without the blessing of God. God has put the greatest thing on us that he possibly could, and that is his blessing. God wants to bless us. We need to believe that in order to walk in that. And some people feel, well, maybe God wants to bless good people, but does he really want to bless me? If you have a hard time believing that God wants to bless you, let me remind you what God thinks of you. In Job, he's bragging about you behind his, behind your back. In Romans, he's interceding at the right hand of God for you. In Psalms, his mercy and goodness are following you all the days of your life. In Exodus, his faithfulness is unfailing. In Jeremiah, his kindness is unending. In Song of Songs, his love is unrelenting. In Zephaniah, he's rejoicing over you with singing. In Psalms, you're the apple of his eyes. In the gospel, you are the pearl of great price that Jesus gave up everything for. In Ephesians, you're his masterpiece. In Isaiah, you are the one engraved on the palm of his hands. And in Hebrews, you are the joy that was set before him that caused him to endure the cross. God wants to bless your life. So the first thing you need to do to walk in it is believe it. So many people never experience it because they just don't know it. And if you don't think it's for you, remember Jacob. He did everything wrong that a person could do wrong. And yet when he came to God and he said, God, I'm not leaving till you bless me. God put a blessing on Jacob. Believe it. Second thing you need to do to walk in the blessing of God on your life is speak it. It's interesting to me that God's blessing on Jacob's life came with a new name, Israel. It's interesting to me that God's blessing on Abram's life came with a new name, Abraham. That God's blessing on Saul's life came with a new name, Paul. That God's blessing on Simon's life came with a new name, Peter. It's interesting to me that when Daniel and his three friends were taken captive by the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, that the first thing that pagan king did was rename them. Why? Because the blessing of God is activated or averted by what comes out of our mouth. When the enemy wants to mar our life with less than God's best, he labels us with something that makes us forget that God wants to bless our life and who we are in Christ. But when God wants to bless our life, God reminds us by calling us something to keep us ever in remembrance of the goodness of God. And so God gave uh, Jacob a new name, not just to take the curse off of him, but to remind him every time his name was called out that he was a prince with God. Because when you're a prince, you expect to be blessed. Can I tell you who you are? You are kings and priests in Christ Jesus. You ought to expect to be blessed in your life. Can you picture Jacob every time when he finally got reconciled to his family and they started calling, hey, hey, Jake, no, no, excuse me, that's not Israel, Israel. Hey, hey, Sir Planter, no, 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 that, that's not who I am anymore. 
prince with God. Hey, struggling. No, no, you, you got it wrong. That, that's who I used to be. That's not who I am right now anymore. My name is Israel, 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 Israel. Why? He was reminding himself, you need to speak the blessing of God over your life. Scripture says in Joel 3.10, let the weak say that I'm strong. Let the sick say that I'm healed. Let the poor say that I'm rich. Let the broken say that I'm blessed. Why? Because of what the Lord has done for me. God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. The high priest of all high priests put his hands out over us and spoke a blessing on us. How shall we not expect to be blessed in this life? You got to speak it. But here's where it gets real. Because there's a lot of people who believe it, a lot of people who speak it. But number three, you got to obey it. The blessing of, not, of God is not a get out of jail free card. It's not do whatever I want in life and just expect the blessings of God because God wants it for us and because we believe it. The blessing of God has been described as an umbrella, a canopy of sorts that doesn't change the forecast in life but it provides a covering in life. Meaning that any umbrella, in order for it to be effective, you got to stay under it. And if you can picture me, with, I should have brought an umbrella with me today. It would have been kind of good prop. But if you can picture an umbrella that's going to protect me from the rain, if I go like this to the umbrella, I'm still going to get wet. And see, staying underneath the umbrella of God's blessing is or happens when you and I obey the word of God. When we walk out from underneath the obedience of the word of God, we walk out from underneath the canopy of God's blessing. Again, go back to Deuteronomy 28. If I ask people, what does Deuteronomy 28 say? Most people say, oh, it says I'm blessed coming and going. Never beneath, always above. Everybody always says that, and you'd be right. But they always forget the first part. Now it shall come to pass. If, everybody say if. Do you know all God's blessings are conditional? If you diligently, look at this four-letter word here. This is the biggest four-letter, this four-letter word will wreck your life right here. Obey. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, the Lord God will set you on high above all nations and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. It's been said, we need to get under those things that God has put over us so that we can get over those things that God has put under us. What does that mean? It means obedience is the way you and I get under the umbrella of the blessings of God. What is obedience? Well, it's not legalism. It's not obeying because I have to. Or it's not obeying so I could put my chest out and tell everybody, look at me, I'm this wonderful Christian because I never do anything wrong, which would be a lie, right? It's not obeying begrudgingly. Obedience is when we love God so much because of what he has done for us in Christ Jesus that we willfully, joyfully want to please him and walk in obedience. Isaiah 119 says this, if you're willing and obedient, then you'll eat the good of the land. Matter of fact, if all you are is obedient but not willing, you're really not walking in godly obedience. And so that's why the Bible says things like this, that when we give to the Lord, we ought to do so joyfully, not grudgingly, for God loves a cheerful giver, right? God is like, listen, listen, 
Don't just do half of what I've asked you. Love me so much that you actually want to obey me and actually enjoy obeying me, right? I mean, imagine you have two kids, right? And, and, and one of them throws a fit and then does it because of the fear of punishment. And the other one just says, okay, no problem, and just goes to do it cheerfully. How many of you know in that moment you're going to love that one kid that is so cheerful about it a whole lot more? Because God wants our heart. He doesn't want routine obedience. He doesn't want robotic obedience. He wants real obedience. Obedience is realizing that every blessing in the Bible is part and parcel ours because of our spiritual birthright by virtue of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. But we must position ourselves for those blessings, and that begins by kneeling at the foot of the cross out of love for Christ and obedience to his word. When we get out of the guardrails of God's good, pleasing, and perfect will as revealed in scripture, we subject ourselves to the consequences of sin, and that is not a threat, it's a reality check. You see, so many, I, I, I get confused sometimes by Christians. I don't understand. Hey, dude, I haven't seen you in church but once in the last three months. I don't understand. Saw you on the street. You didn't know I was behind you. Cussing like a cell. I don't understand. Seen you at the restaurant chugging beers like they were water. I don't understand. Listen to me. This is not magic. It's obedience to get the blessing of God on our life. We have to walk in obedience to the word of God. Let's not make God out like he's a fool. The Bible says, whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. We have to understand, got to stay underneath the umbrella. I have to draw the distinction between penalty and consequences. The penalty for our sin was paid in full over 2,000 years ago. But we still have to live with the consequences of our actions. When we disobey God, despite his desire and will to bless our lives, there are consequences to our actions, and one of them is walking out from underneath the umbrella of God's blessing. Now, here's the good news. You could always walk back underneath the umbrella. Matter of fact, when you walk out from underneath the umbrella, God's the one holding the umbrella going... Just wait on you. Come on back here. Come If you come back here, this thing will cover you. That was Jacob, wasn't it? Jacob was born to be blessed. He was one of Abraham. He was the one from whom uh, uh, Abraham's promise that all nations of the earth would be blessed. Through Jacob would come Jesus. He was the one destined to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ himself. But Jacob went his own way. He experienced the consequences of his actions. But when he had enough of doing it his own way, thank God for those times when we get fed up, when we get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Those are divine moments. Those are moments when God is calling us back. Those moments when we come to the end of ourselves. Those moments when we realize doing it our way has produced this. Jacob was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And he finally decided, I'm going to go and do it God's way. He was weary. He was worn out. He got the blessing when he decided, I'll go back and ask my brother for forgiveness. And you remember the scene. Jacob has just resigned to running his old life. He has resigned from the Frank Sinatra way. I'll do it my way. 
And he decides, I'm going to repent. Let's go back to the all-night wrestling match. Jacob is wrestling with God, and Jacob says, I'll not let you go until you bless me. In other words, I'm tired of doing it my way. And here's what God says. Interesting thing. The God of the universe says, oh, what's your name? That, that, that strikes me. See, because I believe God, God knows everybody by name. I believe he knows that the hairs on our head, that they're, they're numbered. That if his eye is on the sparrow, I know he watches over me. That if he clothes the lily of the valley, that he is so much more want to do for me. I believe God knows every one of us. I believe before we were in our mother's womb, he knew us. He ordained us for a reason and for a purpose. And so this question ought to be strange to you. What's your name? Do you mean the God of the universe? The all-knowing God did not know who Jacob was. Of course he did. Then why do he ask? God wanted to get Jacob to admit who he had become. Here's what I need you to do before I can put this blessing on you. I need you to confess your sins. I need you to repent of what you've done. And with tears in his eyes, here's how I'm picturing the wrestling match going. I'm picturing Jacob begins to cry. And Jacob says with a love, my name is Jacob. Supplanter. Struggler. Conniver. Do it by my name. Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. That's my name. And God says, oh, nice to meet you. My name is God. Now that you rep- now that you repented, watch this blessing I can put on your life. Now that you've come to the place where you've been obedient, I can now cover you with the thing that I have had waiting for you your entire life. There are too many blessings that we go without in life because we are committed to doing things our way instead of submitting to God's way. The scripture that comes to my mind is if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we come Come back underneath the umbrella as far as the east is from the west. So far has he and does he remove our transgressions from us. Never to remember them anymore. You might bring up what you've repented of, but God has forgotten about it. Because when you repent, the blood of Jesus is strong enough to wipe every sin against your soul off of your mark. Come back underneath the blessing. God reinstates when we do. He restores, he robes, he rings, and he puts a blessing on us. But in order to walk in the blessing of God, you must be obedient. There's no other way. But then lastly today, in order to walk in the blessing of God, you've got to believe it, speak it, obey it, and then number four, fight for it. There was an article in the New York Times years ago about Finnish people. And the article was entitled Saisu, a word that explains Finland. S-I-S-U. Saisu. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, but that's how I'm pronouncing it. And you don't know either because you never heard about it until this day. Saisu. The article went on to say the Finns have something that they call Saisu. It is a compound of bravado and bravery, of ferocity and tenacity, of the ability to keep fighting after most people would have quit and to fight with the will to win. The Finns translate Saisu as the Finnish spirit, but is much more gutful than that. 
A typical Finn is an obstinate sort of fellow who believes in getting the better of bad fortune by proving that he can stand worse. I believe true Christian Saisu is not called Saisu. It's called staying power or endurance. In our contents, context, it is the obstinance to stand under the umbrella of God's blessing despite what the world throws our way and the temptations that the world causes to come our way that beckon us to walk out from underneath the blessing of God. I believe it's when we value the blessing of God more than we value the ways of the world and the pleasures of sin. I believe it's when the world is beckoning us to come out and agree with them that we stand underneath the umbrella of God's blessing. I believe it's when we go to war against the pull of the world and the pull of the flesh and are willing to fight with everything that we have not to dishonor God with our lives. I believe it's when we know that God's ways are better than our ways more to be desired are they than go. I believe it's when we value his presence more than the temporary pleasures of sin. I believe it's when we are willing to fight anything and anyone because we do not want to lose the blessing of God on our life. I believe Christian Saisu is staying power. I'm not getting out from underneath this umbrella. I don't care if I lose friends along the way. I don't care if I lose popularity along the way. I'm staying under the blessing of God. That was Jacob. Matter of fact, according to legend, when the knights of the round table returned to King Arthur's court after battle, they were carefully examined. If their bodies did not bear any battle scars, they were sent back to the battle with an exhortation. Go and get your scars. David had them. Remember David and his mighty men? He probably had battle scars, literal battle scars, but he also had spiritual battle scars. When he was sought after by Saul for standing up for God, when he had to go fight Goliath, when his family was torn apart. Paul had them. Paul refused to stop preaching the gospel when persecution came on every side. There is a Paulinian spirit that is coming upon the church because the world is saying stop preaching the gospel. They are now threatening that if you don't comply and agree with this and do this, that they will remove your 501c3 if you are a church. Can I just tell you something? You might come to a church in the future where you don't get a charitable contribution for your donation because the one thing that I can assure you is I'm not changing the word of God no matter what comes my way. Paul said, he said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because I have some saisu on the inside of me. Jesus had them. Jesus walked into a room of doubting disciples after the resurrection. He reached out his hand to one by the name of Thomas and he said, reach into your fingers and touch the holes in my hand and reach into your hand and touch the scar in my side. What is that? Those are my battle wounds because I refuse to not do the will of my father. And Jacob had it. You remember what the Bible said? Jacob wrestled with God all night. God touched the socket of his hip. And it said that Jacob left that battle with a limp. And 
think people probably ask Jacob, Jacob, why you limp? This is my war wound. War from what? From not doing anything that's going to ever rob me of the blessing of God. I came through and I was limping in other ways, but now I got this little wall wound right here and this reminds me never, never, never to give up or do anything that would cause God to take his blessing from me. I don't know about you, but you ought to have some war wounds in your life. You ought to have lost some friends along the way because when they asked you what you thought about this and that, you didn't in a mean way, but you told them what you thought about this or that. You ought to have some war wounds along the way because your popularity might have dipped a little bit because you decided to stand up for God in a generation that has gone crazy. You might have lost some things along the way, but you know what? That limp is a sign that the blessing of God is still on your life. I don't care if you have to limp through life. Never give up God's blessing. It's more to be desired than anything that you could ever acquire in this world, and God wants to put it on you And it'll be a difference maker. Why did Jacob get the blessing and Esau lose it? It's because Esau had a price. And it was a small price. It was a bowl of stew. I wonder what you would give for a Klondike bar. Samson's stew was a one-night stand that he traded the blessing of God for. Judas's stew was 30 pieces of silver that he traded the blessing of God for. Esau's stew was a bowl of porridge. I'm wondering, what's your stew? What's your price? What are you willing to trade the greater and take the lesser for? What cheap substitute you want to exchange God's blessing for and God sent me here to tell you this don't do it don't sell out don't sell yourself short fight for it value it treasure it protect it even be willing to pick up some scars along the way I don't know about you but I can tell you that without the blessing of God life is a miserable failure even if you achieve worldly success it's a miserable failure because the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it it's it's so much better next time next week we're going to talk about the greatest tool to seeing the blessing of God magnified on your life it's what makes the blessing of God a double blessing in your life the blessing of God is good enough but imagine if you get doubly blessed you remember what Elisha asked Elijah he said that I could get a double portion oh, I don't know about you I want to I don't want when it comes to the blessing of God I'm greedy I know that sounds like a opposites 
when it comes to the blessing of God, I don't want just some of it. I want all of it. I don't want just part of it. I want everything that God has. If God's offering, I'm receiving. If God's, if God put it out, if Jesus paid for it on the cross, I want everything that Jesus paid for on the cross. I don't want just one portion. I want two. And I want so much on my life that I can't keep everything that I have on my life so that I'm forced to not be a reservoir, but a river that the blessing of God just flows through and gets on to other people. I don't know about you, but I want a double portion. Would you stand to your feet? I'll give you a little tease of the the key to getting two or having a double portion is to flip the one you got. Flip it, flip it. Look at your neighbor and say, flip it. Flip it, flip it. Nowadays talk about flipping houses. I'm into flipping blessings. I don't know about you. You can flip your house and you can get some monetary money right here, but I'm going to flip my blessing and see what God can do. Amen. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you for your extraordinary goodness on our lives. Father, starting with me, would you help us to not have any price? Would you help us to realize that everything is less than what you offer? Father, would you help us to stay underneath the umbrella of your blessing? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you have never stepped onto the umbrella. So what do you mean, Pastor? I think a pretty obedient person. To get under the umbrella, you got to do one thing first before you can do anything else. you got to bow your knee and surrender your life to Jesus Christ. you got to repent of your sins and say, I know I can't get this right on my own. I know I can't be forgiven because of me. But I bow my knee to Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and accept what he did for me on the cross. And when you do that, when you repent of your sins, can I, can I speak to the world for a minute? There is no forgiveness without repentance. There is no such thing as coming to Christ but living in obstinate defiance to what God's word said. It's no such thing. It's phony. It's fake. It'll send you to hell. That doesn't mean perfection because we all struggle. But what it means is that I bow my knee and from this moment forward with the help of the Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me to live for you, God. If you don't know if you're right with God, if you've never had your sins forgiven, but today you want to surrender to Jesus Christ with no one looking around, right where you are, just hold your hand up. I want to pray for you. I won't embarrass you in any way. God bless you over here. That's awesome. Hold it up nice and high so I can see you. Pastor, today I want to give my life. God bless you over there. I see your hand. God bless you over here. Anybody else, Pastor? I want to give my life to Jesus. Anybody else? God bless you, sir. The greatest thing in all the world that you can ever do is bow your knee to Jesus. You can put your hands down. I want to lead you in a prayer, especially those that raised your hand to Jesus. It's the most life-changing prayer that you can ever pray. And I want you to say this out loud with me, everybody praying for the benefit of those that gave their life to Jesus. Before we pray, though, maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're going to see this on television. And you know you need to repent of your sins. That doesn't mean you're a bad person. Every single person on the planet has to repent of their sins. 
God knows that we're chronically human. And when we do, when we repent, he forgives us and makes us right with him. If that's you at home, this prayer is for you as well. Say this out loud with me, everybody praying. Heavenly Father, I give you my life. I repent of my sins. I ask you to make me right with you. As I put my faith in Jesus Christ as my personal Savior, I will never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said...